Welcome back to The Wise Man's Fear, the daily podcast where we forget what accents we use for each character and invent new ones on the fly. This is page 560. Martin looked back and forth between us so eagerly. Well, he said at last. What's so special about it? I asked dutifully. Martin smiled. The Anne's blade is interesting because it can't tolerate folk, he said. If any part of it touches your skin, it'll turn red as fall leaves in a couple hours. Redder than that. Bright as your mercenary reds. Martin gestured to Tempe. And then that whole plant will dry up and die. Really? I asked, no longer having to feign interest. Martin nodded. A drop of sweat will kill it just the same. Which means most times it will die just from touching a person's clothes, armor too, or a stick you've been holding, or a sword. He gestured to Tempe's hip. Some people say it will die if you so much as breathe on it, Martin said. But I don't know if that's the truth. Martin turned to lead us away from the Yan's blade. This is an old, old piece of forest. You don't see the blade anywhere near where folk have settled. We are off the edge of the map here. We're hardly on the edge of the map, I said. We know exactly where we are. Martin snorted. Maps don't just have outside edges. They have inside edges. Holes. Folk like to pretend they know everything about the world. Rich folk especially. Maps are great for that. On this side of the line is... Baron tax twice his field. On that side is Count Up to Money's land. Martin spat. You can't have blanks on your maps, so the folks who draw them shade in a piece and write the eld. He shook his head. You might as well burn a hole right through the map for what good that does. This forest is as big as Vinta's. Nobody owns it. You head off in the wrong direction, and here you'll walk a hundred miles and never see a road, let alone a house or a ploughed field. There are places around here that have never felt the press of a man's foot or heard the sound of his voice. I looked around. It looks the same as most other forests I've seen. A wolf looks like a dog, Martin said simply. But it's not. A dog is... He paused. What's the word for animals that are around people all the time? Cows and sheep and such. Domesticated. That's it, he said, looking around. A farm is domesticated. A garden. A park. Most forests, too. Folk hunt mushrooms or cut firewood or take their sweethearts for a little rub and cuddle. He shook his head and reached out to touch the rough bark of a nearby tree. The gesture was oddly gentle, almost loving. Not this place. This place is old and wild. It doesn't care one thin sliver of a dam about us. If these folk we're hunting get the jump on us, they won't even have to bury our bodies. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Joanna. I'm Jeremy. And uh, I really love the sinister edge that this next, that this sequence takes on. Uh, and I think that Martin is really onto something to a certain extent. I think this is true today, but I think it was much more true like 500 years ago that even in places that have like, you know, borders and territories and maps, like that doesn't necessarily mean that everywhere within those borders has been, you know, domesticated or civilized, that it's like a safe place that we know everything about. You know, all the oceans are on our maps, but we know very, very little about what's going on down there. And I think the same can be said of like, you know, big, deep, dark forests or deserts, things like that. Like there are places where we have kind of written them off because we don't really know what's in there. And, uh, I think that's uh, that's great fodder for, for, for fright. It reminds me of the coastline paradox a little bit, which is um, the observation that when you're on a map, 
you can get infinitely detailed about the geometry of a coastline and never actually capture it. And it's sort of like the reverse of that, where even though you have a map and you have the boundaries laid out, you never really can capture the specificity of what's inside the edges of that map. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I mean, I think this is also uh, priming us, as my co-host likes to say, to understand that like this is a scary forest, even if there weren't bandits here. Like this is an old scary place where like magical things can happen uh and people might go missing and like i think this plus the story that that dayton told a while ago about the two guys who had an encounter with valurian is meant to put us in that frame of mind plus the appearance of the mysterious flower yes this feels a lot like they're like rothfuss is using the like the fear of the unknown here a lot which I yeah. like. Like I like that this is like a a classic thing that he is applying in this situation. And like scary semi-magical forests are also a staple of fantasy fiction. You know, think of Fangorn in the in the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a similar vibe. It's funny because if I think about like forests in in our world that feel like they could be like like magical or uh, something or dangerous um, in a, in a not normal, like normal, sensible, like non-magical way, I guess. I don't really like I, the, the forest in my brain always feels very like, uh, like a mix of like deciduous and coniferous trees and like very dense, but like, unlike say like the biggest forest in our world that actually exists, like the Amazon, I don't think of a forest like that as being the same kind of forest that I associate with like the, like say like the black forest, I guess in Germany is like more of like the, the look that my brain goes for when I think of like magical forest. Whereas when I think of like logically dangerous forest, I think of the Amazon because logically the Amazon is a dangerous place. There's lots of animals there that probably don't want me around. Um, yeah, and, but the, I mean- and the black forest is, is like, it's a smaller forest. It's in a more, populated area like it's probably a less dangerous forest overall to be in but if i think of a magical dangerous forest i think of something more like the black forest right but 400 years ago the black forest was full of bears and wolves and bandits and all kinds of dangerous stuff you know and like there are forests there are forests in canada right now like algonquin park is a provincial park and it's you know pretty safe for tourists but there's still wolves and bears in algonquin park and if you came across a wolf or a bear you would have a bad time you know what i mean like very reasonable i mean so would the wolf or the bear because they don't like people either (laughs) Mm. my teeth aren't as big or sharp as a wolf's though yeah reasonable but i definitely like depending on the bear you run into sometimes you scare them as much as they scare you Mm. i on the subject of the plant, this is a nice piece of world building, I think, because I think you could go either way on it. Like, maybe it's magical. Like, maybe you're right, Nick, that it comes from Fae and this plant, like, cannot abide the touch of, of a mortal. Or maybe it's just a very sensitive fern, you know, like like the, like the fern equivalent of, like, an orchid or something. And it's just, like, one of those plants that if you look at it funny, it's going to throw up its hands and die. <laughs> 
The delicate flower. That's right. Just like me. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to chat about on this page? Uh, I'm out of notes. I think we learned something. I mean, we probably already figured this out, but uh, Martin uh, telegraphs an attitude toward the nobility here mm-hmm. with the tongue-in-cheek names he gives his imaginary barons and counts here that uh, they all they do is extract taxes. Martin has real prepper libertarian vibes, despite the fact that I like Martin a lot. Uh, and I mean, I think we're... Uh, hang on, I'm going to walk that back a little bit. Um, I think in, in this world, uh, it is perhaps... Uh, even more extractive than in our world to be uh, extracting taxes from these people. But like, it might tell us something about Martin's past, you know, like he wasn't born a ranger. He clearly chose this life. So. Well, and he, he was a gamekeeper for an aristocrat until he had a falling out with that aristocrat and lost his job. So I think that he has a particular reason more than most cop. Like I think anyone in a medieval society has good reason to fear and distrust the aristocrats who run roughshod over their lands and like rule their lives with iron fists. But I think Martin has a, has a more personal animus towards them. True that. Okay. We have a letter here no bag. from incognito who writes on roosters in Japan. Hi, I'm still here in Japan. Roosters say Koke Koko. And this is what I've taught my three-year-old son to say signed incognito. Love it. And there you go. It's a callback to our episode when we talked about the different sounds. Yes, the different animal onomatopoeias across cultures. Exactly. And we will make more barnyard animal noises on tomorrow's page. Of the... Oh, I get it.